You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. I appreciate you joining me during this crisis. Today, I have the Washington Post Les Carpenter with me as we discuss the early part of free agency, what some of the moves mean, and what we think about the Redskins' approach. And then I have a few thoughts, as usual, weighing in on the quarterback situation in particular. Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, really? I have answers. And why Dwayne Haskins might be able to adjust quicker if there's an extended shutdown. Also, keep in mind you can read me on ESPN.com. We are updating all the free agency signings with nuggets of information on every player the Redskins sign. And now, here's my conversation with the Washington Post, Les Carpenter. Now I'm joined by the Washington Post, Les Carpenter and Les, I want, I'm bringing Les on because we're going to talk about, in general, a little bit about free agency and some of the Redskins move their approach. But I want to start with what it's like covering free agency and the rest of the world is quarantine, all this bad stuff going on. This is a normal situation for us as far as being, you know, just kind of locked on your job and locked in an office in your room. Is, I mean, I, I'm a, that's how it is for me and Les, I'm assuming it's like that for you. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting up really early in the morning, and I, I have an office here in the bottom of my house in my old garage, and I come down every every morning, and I turn on the light, and I sit there and just start texting and calling and looking at uh, at my computer and, you know, trying to start and writing and doing all this at once, and then, you know, lift my head up for air about four o'clock is what it feels like. <laughs> take a walk and come back in and do it until the, you know, it's like midnight. And I, it's hardly, you know, when you think about all that's going on right now and you think about, you know, all the, uh, you know, people that are, you know, there's just so many people that are struggling right now. I mean, it's, it's hardly a complaint. It's kind of fun. Um, but yeah, it's, it's weird. Our, our lives probably are among the very few that actually kind of are proceeding as normal. Yeah. And, you know? and I don't mean like, because you don't, yeah. you don't want to feel flippant about it, but somebody asked no. me, yeah, so someone asked me on the radio the other day, he's like, what's it like for you? It's like, it's right now, we are lucky in that our lives, my life hasn't changed yet. I know everything around us has, as far as like your hold up in your house and all that. And I'm talking to people with the Redskins who are at their homes. It's different for them. I said, this is what we usually do. Now, once this, once this frequency period passes, then it's going to feel a lot different, you know, because you can't go anywhere when you want to go somewhere. Now we can't go anywhere. Even if you wanted to, you couldn't go somewhere. Well, and I think the thing that was interesting about covering free agency, and this is probably, you know, pertains to the agents, this pertains to, you know, the players, the people with the teams, and, it's, you know, and the players as well, is, 
you know, I think right up until free agency actually started on Monday, you know, there was a, a, a wonder, is this going to happen? I know right. the league has kind of tried to stick with this idea that it, it's going to be as normal as possible and it's going to hold free agency. It's going to hold the draft no matter how these things are done. And it was just going to go on with this. But I, I think there was a very real thought even on Monday morning, are they really going to do this when noon comes? And, you know, mentally, you have to be prepared for yes, it will. But I think in another way, I'm sure you were thinking this way, too. And I'm sure everybody else involved was thinking, well, I, I guess this is going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but what if it doesn't? And what do we do? So, uh, yeah, uh, the uncertainty is everywhere right now. And uh, it, it, it's, it's odd in some ways that the one league that isn't playing right now or wasn't scheduled to play right now is the league that actually is the most active. And, it, and it's funny because I think – my one, I know all the other logistical issues, why, and, you know, there's some people worry about the optics, but people need a distraction. We, like, like I said, if this wasn't going on, it would be really difficult because all you're doing is, re, you know, you're focused on all this bad stuff. And at least for right now, it's a distraction for people. And it just seems like there's a lot more, you know, people are home, they're, they're paying attention to it. There's a lot more interaction if, if the Redskins make a move, there's a lot more attention to it, as small as they are sometimes, because people are at home and just want something different to talk about. Yeah, it is oddly a diversion at, at this point. And again, as you say, you don't want to be flippant, because I don't mean to be either, but yeah. I – I do think for a lot of people, it's it's kind of like, oh, okay, good. I can worry about who the Redskins are signing or not signing or, you know, whatever team their favorite team is. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's it, given the reactions I've seen on, on social media and, and emails and tweets and things, I, I guess uh, <laughs> I guess some people aren't necessarily finding their joy in free agency. <laughs> no, that's, there, there is that. There is, there is a, and I'm sure some of the sitting home cooped up, you want, it's like, listen, I, what people want from this franchise is hope. And they want, they get those in the names of these big signings. But I think what you want too is you want, I think there's people who want hope for, there's going to be football this year, right? You want to believe that like what they're building and there's, this is actually going to happen. And I, th I wonder if it's because you can look ahead to hopefully at a period where this country is through the worst of all this stuff, we can get back to hopefully some normalcy. So, you know, I, I just think there's so much at play with all this. Yeah, I think there's some of that. And I, and I do think too, though, that as you say, Redskins fans have long been looking for hope uh, just in general with their team. And I think, you know, with the new coach and the idea of like, well, he's going to, you know, look, look at the, playmakers he had in, in Carolina, look at the defense that he had in Carolina, we're going to see some big stars here. Uh, and that didn't happen in the first couple of days. And I don't know if that's the end of the world either. Right. Right. And that's what you say. Like, the, are you, are you surprised at all by the approach? I mean, well, are you surprised at all? I'm a little well. No, because again, I mean, that would have all changed if if they had hit the home run that they tried to hit. Uh, but when you think about it, you think about the things that he said he was going to do before free agency. That he wasn't just going to spend money for money's sake and fill holes to fill holes, you know, just for the sake of filling holes, uh, because that doesn't lead you to getting quality players. It makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of intriguing names in this uh, free agency, but if you think of playmakers and offensive stars 
you know, aside from the quarterbacks, there's really only one name that you just would say, wow, that one really excites me. Okay, that's that's a big difference maker. And you're not wasting your money right. if you bring that guy in. And that's Amari Cooper. And I mean, if they had done that, then I think everyone would have looked at this free agency as this unbelievable home run. And I think he still would have been able to fill in with some other guys like he has. Uh, but by filling in with the other guys the way he has and not hitting the big home run, and I think everyone's looking at this like, well, this is a big failure. Uh, I don't know that I see it that way. I'm glad they didn't, in, would, or I should say I would be glad for, for a Redskins fan's point of view that they didn't go out and, and waste their money on somebody who may be okay and fill a hole because he was a name this year. And, you know, it's funny because some of those guys were defensive guys, and I was texting with this one defensive coach I know, and we were talking about some of these signings, and, like, he hates these big money deals because it, he's like his question to me was, how often do you see guys perform up to their contracts? Name a player that's ever performed relative to his contract numbers. Now, there have been some examples, but when you're talking about, you know, corners like Bradbury or, or Byron Jones getting what they did, I think it's going to be hard for them to play to the level that's now expected. And so you, what are you tying the money up in? And I think what you're, you know, so I think I give them credit for not just going out and saying, well, we need a corner. Let's go get him. And I think it's like, do you like the guy? They needed a receiver. They really liked Amari Cooper. They tried to get him and didn't, but they swung huge. So I, I do give them credit for taking the approach of what level are these guys at? Does the, does the, does their play match that, that pay level? And if it doesn't, then what are you tying up that money with? Yeah, I agree. And I mean, you know, one thing that, that Rivera has said a lot is that he likes versatility. Right. Uh, it was quite obvious in, in his teams before. And I, and I think he likes a lot of guys that he can bring at you on defense. I don't th I think he likes to keep guys fresh. I mean, how much have we seen that defensive line uh, in recent years of the Redskins where you've got John Allen or Ioannidis or, or Payne or some of these guys, you know, playing an unbelievable number of reps. And I think he loves the idea of having a lot of guys up front. I think he loves the idea of having a lot of guys in the middle and, and, and in the back where you, you're just rotating and rotating and rotating right. and guys are fresh. And so, yeah, maybe some of these signings don't jump out at you and, and scream, wow, this is really exciting. I'm sure there's a few of these players that fans are running and Googling when, they, when their names come up. Uh, but they're smart, cheap signings of veteran guys. And that's another thing, too, when I think about – Last year and the struggles, I remember there was one point where I was in a conversation with one of the defensive coaches who just looked finally with frustration and said, but the whole problem that's going on right now is there's just too many young guys here. There's just too many rookies. We can't, you know, they don't know how to play in this league yet. That's the right. problem. Well, now you don't have that problem. Now you've got a bunch of older guys. So, yes, you have good young players that they seem to like. But I think you're also going to see now here's some veterans around that locker room that can explain stuff to them. They can go out there and they've, they've seen everything before. And there isn't a surprise when you're in a big third down situation, you need somebody out there who's not going to be panicked. Right. And I think that's, I think that's a huge key because we'd look around that locker room and like, where are all the leaders? And so when you bring in a guy like, Thomas Davis, that becomes that guy. And I think John, I think Boston bringing him back, he helps fill that role as well. And I think maybe gives him a different sense of it or a different, maybe a, an increased role with that, but Davis especially. And I think the more guys you get like that in there, and some of this too, people have to remember when you're, 
I don't think in a year or two that you're going to see as many of these older guys. But when you're trying to establish your program now, you're going to do it with guys that you know have a certain approach. And that's why a guy like Davis is in there. And however good he is right now, don't know. But he is a guy that fills that leadership void and can spread the Ron Rivera message in that locker room. I think that's for a coach setting a new foundation. I think all that is important. And I'm also like, I'm also intrigued. I like that. I, I put Kendall Fuller in that too. You weren't, I don't think you weren't around Kendall Fuller, correct? I was not. Uh, I, I didn't get on the beat till the summer right. of 2018. So, but he fills that, he fills that, I wouldn't call him a strong leader, but he's a, I would call him a true professional. And I think you need a lot of those too. So, so yeah, I, I think there's some merit to all of that and what they're looking for. Yeah, I do too. And I, and I think that that's going to matter at some point next season. And, and you're right. You make a good point about the fact that, you know, maybe you don't see as many older guys in two years, but in two years, your younger guys are going to be those older guys right. uh, or at least those middle of the career guys. And you don't have to worry about that. They're, they now understand the culture. They now have, you know, they have their feet under them. You know, now, now you know, Cole Holcomb is the, is, is the more grizzled right. linebacker. And those guys in the secondary, the Jimmy Morelands and, the, you know, the Fabian Moreaus and those guys, they all have some experience now. And, you know, those guys up front are, are now sort of heading towards the prime or after the prime of their career. And so, yeah, I think uh, – I think it's a smart move. I, I you know, you, when you're sitting here all day covering free agency, you love it when there's something exciting. Uh, but I can't say that I've looked at a signing that they've made yet and shook my head and said, what a dumb move that was. I actually think they kind of all were rather clever. Yeah. I mean, they have, we have to, one of the things I have to do every, every time they make a move, there's this file we have to do is like, okay, what does this signing mean and what's the risk? And with each time the risk, I'm like, well, there really isn't a risk. Because even like with Thomas Davis, it's not a big deal, you know. And, you know, so there is no risk. I mean, he's pro he may not be here for more than one year, and he's not taking somebody else's job. I mean, I, they don't know when Reuben Foster is going to come back. Who knows? So it's not like he's bumping Reuben Foster aside. Reuben Foster can't play right now. So I, I don't see anything, you know, even like the, the running back is J.D. McKissick it means that Chris Thompson is gone, but Chris Thompson was gone anyway. So, you know, I, I, I just, I don't see any of these as big, you know, I don't see a lot of risk involved with any of them. And speaking of the McKissick, and I want to get to well, Thompson well, McKissick, now. McKissick, yeah. I was, I was just about to say, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was about to say is that's another versatile offensive player. He doesn't have to play, he doesn't even have to play running back. Um, right. You know, this is a guy who played a little receiver in Seattle. So I, you know, each one of these signings kind of has a purpose beyond just a, a leadership piece or a, you know, that, that's the way I look at it, is that I think that they're part of a bigger puzzle here that still has to be put together and probably now we'll lean more on the draft to do so. Right. And I think, and I think you're, you're, you talk about the versatility. And when I was looking at players, like, is this, how versatile is this guy? And I would even look, include the safety of the Sean Davis. That's a guy that, you know, he's, one-year deal, and he's interesting because he played free safety one year. He came in as a, as a cornerback. He tried some strong safety, free safety. I talked to another coach. He's played nickel in the league before, too, yeah. Yeah, so I talked to another coach about him, and then he, I was surprised because, you know, Pittsburgh, they went and got Minka, and fans there were like, were they okay with Sean Davis leaving, whatever. But I did talk to a coach who I respect in this league who not – 
not who does not coach here, but he really likes um, Sean Davis because of that versatility. And again, that goes back to that buzzword. And and I think in this day and age, it, you, the more versatile you are on defense, the more you can do with your coverages and your and your schemes and all that. So, but that. that Wish we saw the failure to do so in recent years here. I do want to spend one minute though, or a couple minutes talking about Chris Thompson because that we knew going into this, you know, he wasn't going to come back. This seals a deal. How do you how would you sum up his time here and getting to know him the last couple of years? Yeah, well, I mean, anyone who was ever around him absolutely loved Chris Thompson. I mean, it was you couldn't. It was just so much fun to sit and talk to and so thoughtful and always was you know, always had a great little story to tell about something. Uh, and when you're, you're sitting here trying to figure out something about the team, it was great to go talk to him. Plus, you know, on the field, when healthy, he was such an exciting, explosive player and, and was perfect for what Jay Gruden was trying to do. And, yeah, it's sad uh, because, I, you know, I, I think he was just kind of heading into the prime of his career. And I think there, you know, his skills kind of fit something that everybody kind of likes in this game right now, that, that small back who you could just put the ball in his hands and let him go and, and, you know, kind of skitter around and, and, and avoid tackles and, and kind of get into mismatches. And, you know, if he was healthy, I, you know, I think we would have really seen some, some very good years of Chris Thompson and, and it, it didn't happen, but hopefully he's going to get that shot again. And, you know, if his body kind of heals up and, uh but yes i i think it's i think it's sad for those of us who who dealt with him every day and probably in that locker room is very popular but uh also you know it's it, it's it's something that i think he's a player that i think a lot of fans enjoyed and you know that's yeah rescue fans are gonna miss him a little bit i mean he, he definitely he, he definitely had his moments he did and and just just like you said in the locker room he was one of the few guys like in Less I don't see, I don't have to explain this to you, but like for those listening, you know, you go in there in the locker room on a Monday, it's a day after a game, and Chris Thompson was always available. Not every guy was. I mean, it was, there were a handful of guys who usually were, but Chris Thompson was always available and he would always talk. And when he talked, he talked a lot. And you would be sitting there and like, you don't want to leave because he's a, he gives you a lot of good insight. And then next thing you know, you have 10 minutes to, to transcribe on your tape recorder because he just keeps going. And then people would leave, would go, would leave the, the group and somebody else would come on and ask him more. It's like, do you have a couple more minutes? And it's like, he's like, all right. And he would always go. And so like, there are a lot of things like that that go a long way to, to shaping people's opinion of you. Cause that it's, it's not, it, I don't know that I could be like that. And, you know, because that, you know how it is. I mean, you get, you get inundated with these questions and I, I always give him credit for how he approached it. And, and it just speaks to his, I think part of that too, Les, it speaks to a humility that I always thought he had. Well, yeah. And that's uh, actually a point I was going to make is that, you know, sometimes guys who are like that, you know, it's a little bit, they're there to promote themselves. Uh, right. You know, Chris never really talked about himself unless you asked him and answered the question, but I, he, he wasn't there to talk about Chris. He was there to basically talk about everybody else. And he seemed to enjoy that. And yeah. Look, I agree with you. Not everybody is wound that way and not everybody should be, 
but uh you know it was it was definitely he was definitely a fun guy to go and talk to and again as i said before he was a fun guy to watch on the field i mean that's that that's to me i think kind of the sadness that a lot of redskin fans will probably feel is like well probably won't get to see this guy as a redskin anymore and he really was a good fun player and it's it's just yeah it was unfortunate that he never could get on the field that much the last couple years and he seemed very frustrated by it but you know that's that's kind of i mean look that's the story of the redskins circa 2018 2019 yeah it definitely is and he was fun the thing i always liked too is he got he would work on his weaknesses and he would work to he he would get better in areas every year and you could just see it whether it's his pass blocking his route running you know being more patient on certain routes and he could point to times where he learned lessons um and you know he also again that humility i remember him talking one time as he started to get going a few years ago and he started to put up some big stuff and how darren sproles would say stuff to him after the game he's like that was like a guy that he looked up to um, no pun, not making a joke there either because they're both short, but he was a guy he looked up to. And so it meant something to him for Darren Sproles to recognize that you're a really good third down back. And I think, but he took a lot of pride in that. So I, I hope he rebounds and rebounds well because he's an easy guy to root for. So, you know, where, where do you think this, where do you think this goes for the Redskins from here? I mean, I assume, you know, I mean, they still have some lingering questions. You got Trent Williams, you got, Quentin Dunbar, where do you where do you think things go from here? Well, it, it sure feels through the first couple of days of free agency, uh, and maybe it would have been different if they had been able to to land Cooper. But I, I still think even without that, there were, these defensive moves are going to be made. Uh, that they are going to build around a defense. You have a defensive head coach. You got a, obviously a very good defensive coordinator. Uh, defensive coordinator who's been a head coach for a long time in the league. They're both very aggressive with their defenses. I feel like they're going to come in and say, "Well, if nothing else, let's let's make a really good defense and go from there." That's sure how this is feeling right now. Right. With the moves de- that they've made. Then you you can say they'll be a little bit younger on offense and they'll have to learn. Uh, you know, the two most important things with Dwayne Haskins, seeming that they're at least somewhat committed to, to Haskins, I still think they're going to bring in competition for him. But, it, you know, everything you continue to hear, uh, you know, speaks to the fact that they like what they're seeing and the way he's handled the offseason. Right. Uh, you know, it's probably unfortunate for everyone that now nobody can go into that building. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that they, they like where, where they think he might be headed. But they need to get him weapons, and they need to they need to make sure they can protect for him. Uh, the Trent Williams slash left tackle question is an enormous one uh, that doesn't have to get resolved today or tomorrow, but probably should by the draft. Whatever they're going to do, or if some way that Trent stays, I know both of us have kind of gotten that feeling from him that he doesn't that he doesn't think he's going to. But if he does, uh, you know, whatever, that's how they'll move forward. Uh, you know, they've got to be able to find someone else to catch the ball, even if it means, you know, I thought it was interesting. We should talk about this for a second, that they did not overspend at tight end. They did not stretch their money uh, when it's very tempting to do so. Now, of course, they're not done with free agency. And even as we speak, they could be going out and doing something, but they're probably not going to stretch their money at that position. Nonetheless, they're going to have to find tight ends because you, you just can't have a young quarterback not throw the ball to somebody like that. Right. Uh, but that's, that's probably where I think they, they address things next is, you know, assuming they still draft Chase Young, which I can't imagine that they wouldn't at this point. 
then you then you address the the offensive line and you address who's going to catch the ball. Yeah, and you know it's funny because I I you know I think we all expected and heard that Hooper was a target, and then it got as it got closer, you realized that they weren't going to go that high, and so they pulled out. And so you know I know there's some interest in Delaney Walker, and there's ties there, but you know you're you're not going to have to spend big for him, and he would be a veteran guy, just much like what they were looking at with Olson. Bring a guy in here, but you still got to get somebody else. So yeah, they have. Listen, I know people. I know you're probably getting it too. Like, where's all the offense? They're going to get some at some point. Because I agree with everybody else. You have to. So I just, I think it's, I always tell people it's March, whatever. There's a long way to go. And sometimes some of their bigger guys they've added in recent years, whether it's Josh Norman, Deshaun Jackson, those guys come later because things happen later too. So many phases for this, last many phases. Thing, well, things happen later. Uh, who knows? Maybe somebody fails a physical in this, and you know, then that yeah, in this free agency, the way it goes right now, and someone comes up later. Who knows? But I, I think you know, kind of the way things look now, I wouldn't be stunned if, say, Chase Young's your first pick, and then after that, you see a whole lot of offense. Yeah. Uh, but then again, I don't know that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, you know, you, you should be able with that third-round pick to get a receiver that may even have a first-round grade. Yeah. Uh, and then you got a couple fourth-round picks, and you got picks later. And, you know, who's, who's you know, one of the most, you know, you know one of the best t- tight end weapons in the NFL right now is George Kittle, who was, what, a, a fifth, sixth-round pick? Uh, was a third. Chris Cooley was a third. Exactly. I mean, you're, there's a lot of good tight ends, perhaps, sitting in that draft. We just don't know a whole lot about them right now. Right. And maybe, maybe a lot of them will not be that great NFL players, but maybe a couple will. And that's, again, where they've drafted very well. You've kept that person who's drafted, Kyle Smith. And, you know, you would think that they've been able to identify some guys, perhaps, in the draft. And, and a little plug less because a few weeks ago, I talked to ex-Redskin Logan Paulson about some of those tight ends. How about that? So if anybody wants to listen about a couple of tight ends in the draft, he talked about some. And I also talked to um, Dane Brugler about um, uh, Adam Troutman, the kid um, from, from Dayton. So, so anybody listening, you can go listen to those and learn about the tight ends. But yeah, I mean, you, you know, I think that will be an area they can look at. And, and then, Whatever happens with Trent, you get another pick there. Um, and maybe you trade for a guy with him. Maybe you pick up a receiver or a tight end in a trade for Trent Williams or involving him, something. So there's a long way to go. And there are some, some, a, lot of, a lot of cards to be dealt or played at this point. So, well, Les, listen, Les, I appreciate you joining me. And it's nice to talk about something that is a good distraction for everybody. <laughs> Whoever thought that the Redskins would be a good distraction for everybody, well, but uh, especially yeah. after this past year. But it is. Hey, t- you know, yeah, um, no. just just for people to know, tell them where they can find you on social media, and 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 obviously you're on the Washington Post. So, yeah, so you uh, make sure you're reading the Washington Post for for everything going on right now, yeah. and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Les Carpenter. There you go. That's the man, Les. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, John. It's always fun. After this break, I'll be back to discuss a few topics, including the quarterback situation and how much did they really offer Amari Cooper.
Okay, now a couple of my thoughts on free agency. Let's start with number one, they really did swing big on Amari Cooper. It was an old-fashioned Dan Snyder courting in terms of the aggressiveness. I was always told they would be aggressive for the guys they want, not necessarily going out there and spending crazy, but the guys they want, they would go hard after. The figure that my ESPN colleague Ed Werder tossed out was $22 million a year. I heard it was more like 23. Regardless, the point is they went big and it highlights their desire to add more weapons. There are other receivers out there who might be available in a trade. For example, the Rams want to deal Brandon Cooks. I don't know yet what Washington's interest is or would be in him. But that's the kind of guy I think you're going to look at maybe um, if you're looking at a trade. I do think they will add a veteran wideout in some fashion. Can't promise that, but that's what I think. And don't forget, some guys will eventually get cut because of their contracts. Don't assume they're done looking. Number two, as Les and I talked, I don't mind their approach. Yes, everyone gets excited if they add a big name, but the point is to build right, not just add big names. What it appears to me is that with the one-year deals, they're finding stopgap guys until they can pursue the long-term additions. I can't tell you how many times I heard the phrase, build it right. It's the same approach they'll take in the draft. They won't just trade down to get more picks to add more young guys. They have a lot of young guys. They want to get legit talent. That's why, to me, Chase Young remains the direction I believe they'll go. But if you're not in love with the guy in free agency, for example, there's no reason to spend big money on them and perhaps restrict you in future years from doing what you want. What you usually end up with that is a bunch of higher-priced players who aren't higher-priced playmakers. That's why you didn't see them sign any of the other names linked to them before free agency. Yeah, they may have liked them, but if you don't love them, you don't spend big. It just creates future issues and creates more situations where the Redskins have big money guys who don't make big money plays. That has been a losing proposition in Washington. Now, whether or not this is the right way to go, I think there are many ways to improve, but it's the way they're taking, and I don't mind it to this point. Again, long way to go. The Redskins' issues in the past extended beyond what the guys they signed early in free agency. It was more about cohesiveness between the front office and the coaching staff, etc. That synergy seems to be there. I think that lends itself towards building a better roster. And I think with, with Rivera and Jack Del Rio in particular, I think there's some stronger guys in charge that too will make a difference. Where it goes, let's see. Number three, I don't have any great answers about what's going on with Trent Williams. I do know and do believe the Redskins would be somewhat flexible in their compensation return in a trade. Yes, they want a second round pick, but what if someone offers them a high third and something else? I believe they could work toward a deal. Just a single third or a single fourth especially would be hard to get it done unless they just tire of the situation. I think they wouldn't get to that point until we get closer to the draft or, or maybe the day of the draft. The teams I'm wondering about right now are Minnesota and Tampa Bay. The Vikings still have to clear up some cap issues. And yeah, Tampa Bay signed Donovan, Donovan Smith to an extension last year, but he's not very good. He can be bumped to another spot and they just, they're going to get Tom Brady. So you need to protect him as much as you can. You have a short window to do it. I don't know if Williams ends up with these teams, but they're the ones that make sense. The Redskins always viewed the teams in that win-now window as the ones who would be most likely the landing, a landing spot for Williams. It's still on his side to get a deal done in the first place, however, and until that happens, we wait. Number four, finally, the quarterback. 
The Redskins will not be adding Cam Newton. I know Ron Rivera liked him. That was his guy in Carolina. I also know the Redskins do like Dwayne Haskins, even if they don't know yet where he's going to go with the next step. The phrase I've always heard, they were excited about how he finished, but nobody yet can say, hey, they got their guy. The quote would be to me, nobody can yet there can say, hey, we got our guy for the next five, 10 years. They don't know that yet, but they, they were excited about how he finished. But not only would Newton be expensive, he's also an outsized personality, and I that may have worked fine in Carolina where he was drafted, he grew up and became a star, but I don't know that it would go over as well in a new locker room where they're trying to gain a certain culture and, and guys just don't know him. And that's not to say he's a bad guy, I'm not saying that, that's not the point. Um, but I do think that when you're putting together things like you know with the locker room, I think you have to take everything into account. And I think the other factor, a big factor, if he comes here, he'd also be the starter. You're not bringing him in to compete with Dwayne Haskins. That's not where he's at. He's going to come in to be the starter. And I don't think that's what you want or they want for Haskins. It's one thing to bring in someone who can either back him up or start if Haskins struggles. That's the kind of guy I still think they end up getting, a Case Keenum type. If you bring in, and I don't know who that is right now, but if you bring in a surefire starter, you may as well trade Haskins now. I think that would be very difficult for him to proceed in that situation, and that's not the plan either. I know my colleague Booker McFarlane with ESPN mentioned the Redskins as a landing spot for Jameis Winston. I can tell you that ain't happening. Number five, the Redskins need to be careful with Haskins. He's a young kid who has already endured a lot in Washington from the moment he was drafted. I know they must do their due diligence with all these quarterbacks. I hope they're communicating to him what's going on. Now, if they truly like a guy like, say, Tua, then then you can't lie to Haskins either and say they have no interest. What happens if they end up drafting him? Well, clearly, you would trade him. But you can tell them what they're doing, and some of that is that some of that is about smoke screens and smoke screens, and perhaps a lot of it is about that. But the organization can't let the continue, the kid continue wondering what's going on. I'm all for making him earn the job and having a plan for him as well. Um, it wasn't until Bill Callahan took over that he was given more intense attention, and I think that mattered. Clearly, I think Haskins will respond well when given that level of attention. Not everyone is built the same, and not everybody requires that. But if he needs it, and you're going to try and develop him, then, then you have to give it to him. But again, make him earn the job, that's okay because that's the only way you're going to get the best out of him. And so far in the offseason, things have been good for him. One other part, one concern of mine would be what this is number six, sorry. One other concern of mine would be what happens if the if if the players can't return until training camp. That's a legitimate thought at this point in this virus crisis. How quickly can Haskins then pick up this offense? He struggled with it last year. It wasn't about him not being smart, but from there on, it was more about the extra time he needed to devote to it. Keep in mind, the verbiage in this offense is far less cluttered than in a West Coast offense. A West Coast play contain maybe around 16 words. It's ridiculous, but it's what those coaches do in that offense. In this one, it's a numbering system, so it's much shorter and easier to spit out in the huddle and to remember. Also, quarterback coach Ken Zampezi went through the 2011 lockout and had to get a rookie quarterback ready to start in Andy Dalton with Cincinnati. And Ron Rivera had a rookie quarterback in 2011 in Cam Newton. The staff should know how to proceed in that situation. Let's hope they're not out this long. The other part of that is the playbook. Haskins has to learn the playbook. And I know people 
who are in the game would be surprised if he doesn't already have it somehow landing it from whomever. So I think the the key the the thing would be there is like yeah he's got to learn the playbook wink wink in other words they know he probably already has it but again let's hope that this situation doesn't develop that way because that's not good for any of us in this society. That's it for this week. Thank you to Les Carpenter from the Washington Post for joining me and thank you for listening. We have scientists scrambling to solve a health crisis and all we do here is talk about a game. I hope you see it as a distraction. Stay safe, folks.